it is the distant future. Human interest is bought and sold by conglomerates. World governments oppress individual freedoms for the sake of financial security. Public services are privatized for the interest of corporations. Disease ravages the population of a dying planet, stuck and bled out for its dwindling natural resources. Machines dictate and direct every aspect of our lives. The distance between prosperity and poverty is farther apart than any time in human history. The rich accumulate wealth while the poor struggle to survive. Advancements in warfare and violence outpace anything to help the common man. Humanity finds solace in escapism, immersing themselves in the never-ending stream of content, desperately struggling to block out the horrors of a new world. It is the distant future. It is the year 2020. Welcome to uh, to a very special episode about uh, the 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 hit big air quotes around this hit popular video game Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven by uh, folks at CD Projekt Red. Uh, I am Nolan, and er, no, you're no, I'm not. No, you're not. Damn it! I'm Alex. It's okay. <laughs> With me is I'm Janelle, and and I'm Alex. Yeah, wait, that's oh, Nolan. Shoot, I mean, wait, I'm Nolan. I'm Nolan with a cybernetic personality replacement board to make me Alex. What if we're like, what if we're like the twins that you box in, uh, in Cyberpunk 2077 where they're like, they're the same brain. They got their brains like Wi-Fi fucking linked together to be the same person in two different bodies. Yeah. I don't, I don't like the idea of being those twins with you because they share one girlfriend. No, no, no. They, they have two girlfriends. No, 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 man. They said, yeah, one, what, what, they said, like, one from Monday to Wednesday, one guy Wednesday to Friday. But didn't they say that they that were different girlfriends? Mm-hmm. Well, no. I might be but, misremembering that. Yeah, I'm not yeah. down for that, but, um. <laughs> but we're down to talk about a, cyberpunk. Are they, a? fuck. Are they what? <laughs> I forgot the word. Well, they are do, they yeah, foresh- that's, that's what. Are they, are they foreshadowing? The storyline. Oh shit! Johnny Silverhand and oh, I never considered. Yeah, I think you're right. So, oh my god, this is a special episode, but it won't be a spoiler cast because this is a hundred-hour RPG. Uh, so we're gonna be talking about the game and, of course, some of the stuff surrounding the game, and hopefully, compile it all into one nice, neat package for you to then I'm, consume. I'm there... gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna, we're gonna spoil up until. The title screen. Well, let's avoid some of the big stuff, but I don't think that we want to try to see what happens if we recorded a podcast without referencing any specific events at all. Yeah, that's, so there's yeah. going to be some minor spoilers, but don't expect anything big. We haven't got to the end expect... of the game, so. Yes. Don't expect anything major. There's going to be some premise spoilers, but a lot of the stuff you can you could have gleaned from the marketing of Cyberpunk 2077. But uh, regardless, it's December 19th over here. The game's been out for nine days. Or if you're like us on the West Coast of the U.S., the game's been out for 10 days because it came out the day before the 10th at 4 p.m. in a really strange simultaneous global release. Yeah, but that was weird. In any case, though, um, this episode is going to have a lot to cover. Listener, you 
probably know about this game because it was the single most talked about, most anticipated release of 2020 by the majority of metrics. And since then, throw that name into the search bar of any major news outlet and you will find quite quickly it has also become the single biggest catastrophe uh, within gaming of 2020 on any number of fronts. There was a and... New York Times article about it that came out today. <laughs> yeah, this this episode is going to have to contend with a lot of that, but whew, I don't even know where to start. I know where to start. Okay, tell us where to start. I want people to be happy, but I've been saying for months this game wouldn't be very good and that people would have problems with it. But I never expected this, but the I told you so <laughs> feels Good. It feels good to be right. The, you let you put that I told you so in a petri dish and like shoved it away in a freezer somewhere, and now it's just grown out of control. It's a monster yeah. that even you it's can't like, rein in. It's like the coffee cup I last used oh. um, the last time we were at school in person that I'm too afraid to open now and feel too guilty to just throw away. Oh, <laughs> let's. Uh, I know. I think one thing we should do quickly is just go over like a brief timeline so that the listener is on the same page with us because we will go we're going to have to bounce around this topic it's a lot to cover but here in a in a basic rundown sense this game was announced way back in 2013 so it was a pre-rendered cg trailer that announced this game it was before there was even a ps4 or an xbox one um it got delayed so many times, but before that, it was supposed to come out finally in April 2020, got delayed again, then got delayed again. And as I'm sure you've probably heard, you know, there's all these famous quotes like Shigeru Miyamoto's about how delayed games eventually get better and that we should let devs delay because they can work out the bugs. Typically true. However, this game came out in an abysmally bad state on the majority of platforms if you had a pretty good pc you know my pc is just decent the game is fine for me but if you're playing as the game was marketed on a console like the playstation 4 or the xbox one uh all accounts are that it's borderline unplayable that the game is having textures not render until they're you know until you've been standing in front of them for several seconds you're having people T-posing all around, frame rates dipping at times into the single digits. You're having flickering, all kinds of constant stuff happening, not to mention the game just crashing. Um, the most recent patch note from the update they just put out today includes all kinds of things like prevents the game's story from failing to progress if you <laughs> turn left during this conversation or something. There were so many little triggers <laughs> like that just that you could saw, just straight up ruin the game. I just saw a new bug that people were talking about today where if your save file exceeds a certain amount of like you know a certain amount of data it will just automatically corrupt which means that you have to try to mim minimize the amount of times you pick up or craft things in the game and it's yeah. like that's that's a new one also and if we if i can jump back to the, like... the console thing just super quick yeah ign did something i've never seen before where they were mm -hmm. just publicly saying like they made a separate review for the console version so they could say, like, hey, do not buy this unless there are some serious changes. I think they gave it a 4.5 yeah. in that and just said it's bad. And here's where things in the story get interesting. CD Projekt Red, the developer 
promised a series of patches to fix this game on consoles. But before that, they put out a post basically saying, um, speak to your retailer if you bought the game physically, or speak to Sony or Microsoft, respectively, or Steam or whatever, if you bought the game digitally, and look into getting a refund for it. If that doesn't work, you can message us and we can figure something out. The catch is, CD Projekt Red, uh, whether it was out of neglect or just whether this was tactical, did not contact anyone before making that announcement. So Sony and Microsoft were flooded with all kinds of refund requests. They had no infrastructure in place to accept. And CD Projekt Red did not have any immediate way of getting people a refund on their own platform on GOG either. So th this caused a massive fiasco, which in the most recent turn of events has led to Microsoft and Sony literally removing the game from their online storefronts you actually cannot even buy this game on console right now which is did wild. microsoft do that too I they did that, okay microsoft did it too and this is we'll, we'll talk about this but it's unprecedented this game the statistics pan yeah. out this way 41 percent of this game's pre-orders or sorry 41 percent of this game's sales were on console so you know it's, it's you can imagine wild. the kind of chaos that's happening in the investor meetings. And they had a special licensing deal with Microsoft, too. Like, they were the... With everyone. This game has so much merchandise no, no, no. and but, advertising. But Microsoft was, only, was the only one that was allowed to advertise the game on their platforms, right? Like, we've seen this with Star Wars games, like Battlefront. Uh, Sony got Battlefront 2, the new Battlefront 2 uh xbox got uh fallen order certain uh publishers will only get like licensing deals with certain consoles even if they release on other consoles if the advertisement says you can buy it on this console most people will just think oh it must just be on this console i will buy it on the console that the the, the super yeah. bowl ad tells me or whatever you know and and something that we hadn't mentioned is that if you were to watch an advertisement for this game before it came out what you would be seeing is footage from the game that would have been running either pre-rendered or would have been gameplay from a high-end PC recording. But at the end of the ad, you would see the boxes of PS4 and Xbox One. And whether or not that counts as false advertising is something that the court is going to have to decide. But the fact of the matter is, they never showed any footage at all of the console versions of the game yeah. so it wasn't until release day that well, people realized the game was a broken not a broken not only that but they didn't give any game reviewers console copies of yep. it. yep yeah which is i think even worse so the pre-release reviews were all mostly nines and tens with the kind of um with one exception being gamespot gave it a seven which was a whole story of its own you should look that up listener if you're interested it's oh kind of God, funny yeah but um, for the most part, this game got perfect scores or or nineties. Which or, you know, can I say that's really funny because most of those reviews said this game has a lot of problems with it. I don't like every aspect of it. Ten out of ten. Yeah, I noticed yeah. that as well. <laughs> it's really strange. But yeah. up until like up until the actual day it was released, people were still fanboying for this game like nothing else I've ever seen. It, so yeah, I don't want to jump the gun too much or cut anybody off if they want to say more. But like. We will come back to this outside stuff interspersed with what we want to talk about, which is mainly like the game, right? Mm -hmm. Like 
it's like it's like too connected not to yeah come yeah. up yeah but we want to talk about our experience playing the game and hopefully give our honest impressions and thoughts and you know early review i guess we could say of um, the game one thing i do want to say though yeah is that i'm seeing this on twitter a lot and we know that this happens to game developers when a game comes out the game being broken on console isn't the fault of the people who made the game it is the fault of the higher ups at the company and you can criticize cd project red all you want and you should but don't take it out on the people who worked on the game because they don't have a say in basically anything most of the time it's really sad how many people have been you know i i think i retweeted this but like i wonder what kind of game cd project red would have been able to create if there had if they're like investors and higher ups had either just like not been there or stepped back just a little bit right but like you know they needed it to be out on consoles they needed it to be out before christmas and now they're paying the price and 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 it's a publicly traded company which means these decisions are made by vote by shareholders in meetings where they may have well and did have a a rep or two from the studio but you're not getting the majority of developers Mm -hmm. uh are not involved in deciding where the resources this project are being are being delegated so yeah yeah or diverted rather not delegated but with all that being said how do you guys like the video game so far well you know i just want to make it absolutely clear before we go in (laughs) we've only played on pc so don't take any of this to be uh a recommendation if you're looking at it on console and even like the version that nolan's playing that i've been watching seems to be a lot different than alex's I've so been like so even, lucky. Even with PC, it's not like it's perfect, it works great, just go buy it. Yeah. If you're yeah. you know. I'm seeing some people online say that they're getting sub twenty FPS in downtown parts of the game. I'm seeing some people say they're pushing sixty and seventy. for me it's been I, I don't know. It's been it's been very smooth. I've had very few glitches. I've had well, I mean I've had, I've had glitches, but I've not had anything game breaking. Frame rate's been fine. Um that is a good disclaimer just to throw in there. It might not be the same for you. I don't know how it was for Alex. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a, a 3080 or anything, any like super high-end tech, but you know, I've got a decent graphics card. It's it's not it's not the newest, but it is it is good. And in theory, it should be able to do ray tracing at like a decent level, but it, it cannot with this game. Um and that's I don't even have the option to turn it on. I think I have AMD card, so it's uh, not yeah, one, of, one, yeah. of one of my features. Yeah. I, I I've said this before when friends are building computers, but like, listener, if you happen to be looking into like building a computer for whatever reason, and you're like, ah, oh, do I get the do I get an AMD card, an NVIDIA card? Get an NVIDIA card. It's more expensive, but more <laughs> games support it. It's yeah. Just just pay the extra to get an NVIDIA card if it's you can. Like, when I want to look up the requirements for my card, I have to look up the conversion into a into NVIDIA numbers yeah. because nobody seems to reference the AMD cards. Yeah. But okay. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. All, all that aside. Game. Um. Well, you can put chips in your head in this game, so in a sense that's relevant. That is it's true, true, yeah. You can upgrade yeah. your body in the game like you would upgrade a computer. I want to start from my very first impression of the load-up screen. Okay. Um, for a game that talked so much or about having a dick or having a vagina and choosing what it looks like and... And for a game that gives you so many customizable options, it doesn't give you that many, actually. And also, it doesn't seem to matter. Yeah. Ever. Except mm-hmm. for the, like, times you look in a mirror and then choose smile or scowl or whatever. 
which puts me off. I will say, to everybody's surprise, I like this game. Hate to say it, but really? I like yeah. it. That that put me off so hard at first, though. And it became very clear right out of the gate that their whole this is the this is the sex video game thing was thankfully not true at all but that has led to like a very vocal group of perverts being very very angry yeah so we'll just say really quick with this character creation you're referencing and all that that the game is an rpg it's set in a world much like the one alex described in the intro and good thing we don't live in a world like that yeah seriously and uh it's (laughs) it's a really like shady commodity driven world and uh they advertised it with a, a a heavy focus on there being sex as a part of the world and talked a lot about it and it became part of the hype cycle and so like janelle said you can choose your genitals in the beginning of the game but um real quick one thing i want to say about the character creator person. that that yeah. bugged me and has bugged a lot of other people is mm-hmm. two main things one is that you're gender is tied to your voice yes yeah yep and the other is that there is no non-binary option you cannot a character will never give you they pronouns you cannot be a themer which is like like obviously there should be a non-binary program uh, pronoun option but like you know they would have had to record new lines like i understand why that wasn't it's it should not have not been the case but i understand why it was not there's literally zero reason to tie your 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 gender to your voice like um sorry i didn't mean to no you're fine that's just that's that's just something i've heard people talking about well it's i i know we're trying to talk about the game but it's like we said earlier it's impossible to not talk about all of the things about them while talking about the game yeah stuff their whole thing was that like you know they pretended to be positive about trans people and non-binary people and they they acted like this was like them being woke and a lot of people knew that was never going to be the case but like they didn't actually care about giving people bodies that they feel comfortable in fully they just cared about causing like interesting headlines yeah i think that's what it was and that's incredibly offensive um there's literally no reason to tie your gender to your voice yeah that's absurd i um there was a review i think it was on kotaku but i'll have to look it up and link it by a by a trans person who said that like yeah it's cool that i can pick what's on my crotch but that doesn't mean nearly as much to me or anybody else i know who's trans than what her voice sounds like yeah yeah i've heard that from a few people i think that is just really shitty well yeah so that's that's the character creation and then nolan i know you're gonna jump in the game but let me let me set the scene here with some some in-game lore really quick yeah uh, so, in this universe, the Cyberpunk 2077 universe, in 1990-something or other, there was a globe... Four? Okay. Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking about the, f- the founding of the city. Oh, no, well, I was... Go on. I was going to take a step back. There was a global okay. economic collapse, right? And yeah, it's yeah. important to note that this is based off of a tabletop RPG. So, think Dungeons & Dragons, if you're not familiar with, with that concept. Um, but this was set in the distant future, but this tabletop RPG called Cyberpunk 2020 was written in 1985 or something. So in this universe, the early nineties, there's a massive global economic collapse and like Europe and Africa, uh, kind of like band together and become like a series of United States and they're doing fine. But the two global superpowers at the time, 
the US and Russia are like really struggling and they have become little more than just like arms dealers. So they're selling nukes to whoever will buy them, which makes other countries have like more power and it's not enough to like feed people. There are like famines and riots and the middle class is eliminated. There is no middle class in the future. So the the canon of this game is all that that all that empty urban sprawl from like Los Angeles up to San Francisco was bought out by this dude. I don't remember his name, but I know his last name is Knight. And he founded a special... I think it, I think it might have been Richard Knight. Probably. Fact check that, yeah. Founded a special place called Knight City because um, when America went bankrupt, they just decided, well, let's just privatize everything. Because just like, you know, this may come as a surprise to some people, but in times of crisis, corporations do incredibly well and make a lot of money off of human suffering. So you have like military manufacturers or whatever who are like, hey, we want to we want to be able to make more money. And this Richard Knight dude goes, I've got just the thing and establishes a special like independent state. So think like Hong Kong, right? Within America that corporations can like operate in and there's like no laws. It's kind of made entirely for corporate entities. So the game takes well, place. There, there, there are laws, but the enforcement is entirely uh privatized and run by the corporations yes. that exist within that city so there are not laws there are not there are not regulations as to what the corporations can do but they do have law enforcement on the streets for the people that they uh, yeah that they yeah. have living there but yeah. it's it, it's which is a tax loophole for corporations uh, yeah yeah basically yeah. um and then you play as a character whose name is v or just called v um, that is, like, trying to make their way in Night City. And that's kind of just where it starts, is that you are a character yeah. in this surprisingly interesting, fleshed-out world. And you can either be a street kid who grew up um, running with the gangs in Night City. You can be a ex-corporate executive who's fallen from grace. Or you can be a nomad who was sort of like a highway wanderer uh from outside the city but either way after those life path they call them life path intros yeah. you are a mercenary sort of just working for the highest bidder mm -hmm. within the within the limits of night city and dealing with um a lot of stuff to do with the corporations themselves dealing with secret technology and, and assassinations and yeah. espionage and all kinds of stuff and a as a result of this and this kind of ties into what we were talking about with like sex and gender is that human beings are like commodified. They are, you know, either like cogs in a machine or like a workforce. Um, and also like just rampant, like sexualization in the streets. Like just like they have this like movie equivalent called the brain dance, which makes you like actually experience what's happening in the movie. But like the most popular brain dance, which is like movie industries are just porn movies. Like, it's just yeah. straight up, like, pornography that's being advertised in the streets. Everything is either innuendo or just straight up, like, explicit. Because that's what sells, and because... Even the stuff that isn't yeah. porn is really explicit. One of the first things you see when you come out of your apartment in the beginning is an advertisement for a brain dance that lets you experience the sensations of Jesus during the crucifixion. Yeah, it's a, a Passion are, of the Christ remake. Yeah, there are brain dances for horror fans where they say things in the advertisements like are you bored of slasher movies do they not turn your guts anymore how about this brain dance where you inhabit the sensations of a person who jumps into a vat of boiling acid and sprouts a tentacle from their forehead 
and you get to feel every single part of it for but, just five ninety nine. It it is it is not, like a place to worship the no? free market. Sorry, what was that? But they're not just movies. To be clear, these are like other human beings yeah. like memories yeah. that you're experiencing. So you don't get to have like um you can find this like black market seller who sells some really fucked up like porn brain dances, like torture and stuff. Those would be of actual people being tortured. Yes. Though so there like, is also like a Hollywood equivalent of yeah. brain dance where they stage them as well, but yeah. Yeah. But but in any case like it's really fucked up. Yeah, you, it really is. You There's play some really dark ones. You play as a mercenary where the free market is like the only authority that matters, right? Because uh-huh. like in this strange like this strange like microcosm of America, you know. Mm-hmm. The game has one of the early missions. You have to save a woman who is being harvested for. It's it's similar to organ harvesting, but they're actually pulling cybernetic implants out of her but they do so they can sell them on the market they do like taking organs too while they're at it there yeah are organs yeah. as well yeah uh these guys with scavengers and one of the early bits of world building is that uh she is a member of this um plan with a group called trauma team which functions similar to health insurance but it's like tier you have like a bronze membership or a gold membership or platinum and essentially if you don't meet a certain tier, certain services don't apply to you, and it's a monthly subscription. So you can find a data pad that explains that every tier below platinum does not include emergency response, basically. So if you're not rich, you can't, not only can you not afford an ambulance, you cannot afford the privilege to buy into a service that allows you to even be part of a node of a network that would allow you to contact an ambulance. So this woman didn't get to fire off her, her contact in time, and she's basically just bleeding out in this tub. Yeah, and it's not an and ambulance. And you finally do call trauma team, it's like, it's like a, a completely decked out, it's essentially a SWAT team. It's a they private military co- organization, yeah. yeah. It, they basically, trauma team shows up in a flying white car that looks sort of ambulance-esque, and they roll out with just automatic weapons and armor, and they point their guns right at you and they're like put down the body step away do not come any closer they'll just gun you the fuck down if you don't meet the requirements i mean it's so this game is really big and i think that if we don't categorize the parts we're gonna get lost in how much there's to talk about so i think we should try to do that a little bit yeah with that being said what do you guys think about the combat like the like, like the actual like gameplay element of it. Yeah, like the gameplay. How does the like combat feel? Nolan? Cuz I'm I'm not playing it. I'm just watching Nolan play it. Um I I expected nothing of the combat having played The Witcher 3, their other previous game. They typically have great narratives and the combat has never been a draw. This game's combat was pleasantly surprising to me. It's a first-person shooter with RPG mechanics, so you're dealing with loot that gives you, you know, damage per second and stats and bonuses and percentages and all this, which means that you're not going to fire off a headshot on someone and have them go right down. You're just going to get a damage bonus. So it it, it feels uh, like a nice mix between an RPG and a shooter in that way. I think it's most similar off the top of my head to Borderlands, probably. 
Yeah. And it feels it feels pretty good. I'm playing on a controller personally, so I have a little bit of aim assistance. There's some snapping in the aim that's uh quite effective. And there's also good melee combat, which I think Borderlands did not have. You can get a lot of different swords and uh throwing knives and batons and all that. Yeah, so and it's it's solid. What 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 do you think, Alex? I think the Borderlands comparison is apt, but not in a good way. I think mm-hmm. that Borderlands for context is kind of it, it it really straddles the line between just like a standard shooter and an RPG where like one of the gimmicks of the game is you have a lot of randomly generated guns that all have wildly different effects, right? Some shoot acid, some are like, you know, multiple bullets in one. Some, if you f- like reload, you just throw the gun and it explodes and you get a new <laughs> gun, right? And they're all like very fun and dynamic to keep gameplay interesting. This game has all of the stats of Borderlands, but none of the like, tactical feedback of like you know every gun feels the same and doesn't feel interesting or unique enough for me to prioritize a different gun over anyone else's gun and you can pick up everyone's gun from the person that you're trying to shoot it it, it just all kind of like melds together right yeah combat is interesting because like it's it's pretty simple but it feels pretty nice um you know you have like a block and if you hold the button you have a heavy attack and if you just tap the button, you have a light attack. You can chain light attacks together and into heavy attacks. Um, and that's kind of fun. But you don't really get the chance to... Not only do you not get the chance to do that very often, it feels a lot worse when it's not just your fists. You know? Like, I, I have... Oh, see, I like I like the weapons. I have a nice katana that I rely on. Yeah, I, I, I found a, a, a decent baseball bat that I've been using. And it just, <laughs> like, the baseball bat makes a satisfying gunk sound every time you hit somebody. But, like... It's not, that's it, right? It does nothing else for me, you know? I will say that the game is, and I feel like, I think we disagree on this, but I'll at least make it the conversation starter. I think that the game has a a very good system in terms of stat progression. It, It encourages character specialization. So if you wanted to build your character around that baseball bat, you have a specific tree for like two handed clubs or whatever. Personally, I've been building my character towards um, stealth and silenced pistols, and I feel like the game has been very good at accommodating that playstyle, which to me reminds me of games like the 3D Fallouts, wherein the combat itself is not particularly good, but the feeling of playing the game is immensely satisfying because you're seeing payoffs for decisions you made about what kind of approach you were going to take or what kind of character you were building. And in that sense, I've, I've found it very engaging, even if the shooting is, you know, fine, but pretty bog standard. Hmm. I, I just want to get really back actually. at some point to like, if we think the setting works and the lore, I, but I like the combat part. I figured we'd be talking about that most. So I wanted to talk about this really quick. That's really good. That, That's so. a really good call. So sorry about that. Okay. Sorry, Alex, continue. Oh, I, I was just saying that like, so you said it was, you, you said it was bog standard right so uh, like yeah it's 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 good it's not a, a knock it's just not exceptional in terms of shooting see for me it's like it's also not exceptional that it melds together and i would rather mm-hmm. do it, it just ends up feeling bad like you mentioned the skill trees there are a million skill trees in this game yeah i and love that though half of them don't fucking matter or do anything right like i mentioned you could specialize in melee weapons if you really wanted to but why would you? Every other character has a gun. You're never going to get the chance to use that except for in niche circumstances, right? Well, see, but that's sort of like saying 
that why would you ever specialize in melee in a Fallout game? And uh, it just presents an interesting challenge. If every character has guns, you'd need some kind of damage threshold buff to make sure that you can tank hits. Yeah, but and... also the the upgrades are so like minuscule. I feel like they don't matter. You know, like yeah oh you get like you know if you max out your like heavy attack you get like a whopping 15 percent damage increase like who cares however you do get uh, a pretty substantial amount of perk points all the time you, you might level up and end up with three perk points or you might get a perk point without even leveling up just because you're using a weapon consistently yeah it, it ends up feeling. I have found that the upgrades in the beginning of the trees feel minuscule, but the upgrades towards the end of the trees have felt pretty substantial. At least in the case of stealth. With stealth, I've been able to make it, for example, and I won't go into specific detail about how it happened, but like, I've been able to rig the numbers on stealth so that if my pistol has a silencer on it, I'm crouching, I haven't broken stealth yet, and I land a headshot, I can do like. 400% damage or something ridiculous. So even enemies that outlevel me, I can one-shot headshot them with a pretty basic pistol and to me that has been only possible because of the skill trees. So I I just I think it depends on if you're if you're focusing on specialization, which is not something the game conveys to you very well for the record, which is a complaint of mine. Yeah, it, it for me it feels like a Ubisoft game where it's like, oh, you get mm. you know you get fake experience points which go into like a skill tree which doesn't matter, right? It's just like feeding into this thing forever and it never ends up feeling satisfying or like anything substantial has changed. Um, Fair. Yeah, I, I want to talk about something with the level up system. Yeah. Oh, sorry, no. What were oh, you gonna say? No, your thing first. Okay, I want to talk about something with the level up system that I do find quite interesting, and I think people who have who are into um you know the fallout games in particular might find interesting as well this game doesn't have any kind of stat for charisma or speech the closest thing it has well, is a stat called cool yeah but cool is actually the determiner of your stealth skills and your detection time so cool is not technically just a charisma stat i get a lot of is, i get a lot of charisma-esque options with uh reflexes too yes and that's exactly what I was going to get to, uh, okay, which sorry. I find very interesting, is that this game... Oh, don't worry. Is that what this game does, instead of having a charisma stat for speech, which, by the way, is like, probably half the game is conversation, uh, rather than have a speech check, they use every single one of your base uh, statistics, or every one of your attributes, as your speech checks. So if you're talking to a character who is like a car mechanic, and you're talking about their car, you might have a speech check that is relative to a threshold of tech ability. Whereas if you're in a bar trying to get information out of a bartender, you'll need cool. But if you're trying to intimidate someone, you'll need body. Stuff like that. It's not revolutionary. Fallout New Vegas did this also, though that had a speech check in tandem with those. But in my opinion, it is a really, really elegant way to address conversation checks. And that is something that I want to talk about also as the conversations in general, which I, th I think this game does yeah. a fantastic job with. Yeah. And I'm curious what you think about, what you guys think, so, think, think about that. So, listener, the reason I really abruptly moved to combat is because, you know, this game is being taken off of stores. A lot of people don't like it. I think the combat is the least interesting part about the game. And I kind of wanted to get that over with mm -hmm. because I think that the the lore and the conversations in that game are what make it actually good. I don't want to speak for Alex, though. I think I kind of know where you land with this, but like 
I know Nolan and I really like it, and it's not because of those gameplay mechanics. It's because the world building is really freaking good. Yeah. And the characters are all, so far, anyway, really endearing and interesting. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a surprisingly wholesome game, considering the bleakness of everything surrounding it and its Shockingly setting. Shockingly wholesome. Shockingly wholesome. We found um, a guy... I'm, I'm going to make this as Wait, is this a long-winded Keanu joke? Is that what you're setting up the wholesome for? No. No, it's a, no. just a g- oh. genuinely saying it's a like, pretty wholesome game. Like, we like, found a guy who was majorly depressed um i don't want to go into details because you should find this quest it's really fun he was majorly depressed because of a very important loss to him and you find out that it was his pet turtle yeah he's talking about how he's like he he was on the force and he the only person he could confide in was his one friend right and so you you want to help him because his old force buddies are, are concerned about him his old police pals um and then you go to the uh the the like gravesite area which i don't know if this was scripted part of the mission but i actually found a really interesting encounter in that grave area there's a little girl and a dad and mm-hmm. the little I got girl, that too yeah yeah and the little yeah. girl's like why can't we talk to mommy anymore and and the dad's like well mommy mommy's in heaven now and like you know conversations you have with kids but then she goes but michael from school is able to talk to mommy he said arasaka put her in a chip and he can see her anytime she wants and it's like, well, Mike, my, my, Michael's mommy's not in heaven, okay? And he's, Michael says that if we had more money, then we could see mommy anytime we wanted to. And the dad breaks down. And he's just like, I'm doing everything I can, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was really I, little things like that are really, really powerful. But yeah, you you find out yeah. that this dude, this dude's friend is a turtle, and your your companion, who I'm sure we'll talk about later, is like, well, you know, if you're if you're with a bunch of like sh- shitty fucking cops all the time who make fun of you. And your only friend is like someone who's older than your grandma. I'd be upset too, right? Like, yeah. So, by and large, how do we feel about the quality of the writing? For me, outside of these strong moments. For me personally, I have never felt a consistent feeling about the writing. If that makes any sense. <laughs> Everything that's ever said or read or like seen is either a ten or like a one, right? Into if we give it a one to ten scale, yeah, it's either really surprisingly impressive or just like bad. I, mm, I need to think about it a little bit more, but I do think I agree with Alex on this. That like, man, it's really weird. It's not just good. Like you're absolutely right. It's not just good and it's not just bad. Some of it is some of the best video game writing I've ever seen. And then some of it isn't like inherently bad. It's just really cheesy. And it's, I usually find that to be the case with the written text that you find in the game. Mm-hmm. Oh, the data, I think the data pads are the most hit and miss. Yeah. Yeah. Though some of them are literally, like one of them was just Homer's Odyssey. I thought, I, I, I found the Iliad <laughs> yeah. also. Yeah. Uh, some of it's just real books. There's even a Mark Twain book in there. But, yeah, you can I, read, uh, I, Oh god, what what's the book we were talking about not too long ago? So, um, For whom the bell tolls? Yep. Yeah, and yep. that's and that's like kind of a major theme throughout the story. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, I feel a little bit differently than you two. I think that the writing for me ping pongs between exceptional and acceptably good. Okay. Yeah. I, I haven't I haven't yeah. really felt that any of it was outright bad. Uh, with the exception, like I have said, of some of the data pads. And 
in particular, there's a subset of Datapad, which is called, like, like I think they just say archived conversations that you find on dead bodies sometimes. And a lot of those are not only not interesting, they're relatively unintelligible. Like, they don't really make a lot of sense to me, and I think that's partially my fault. Hmm. But, um... Well, sorry. No, go ahead. I th- I think that some of the worst writing is found in the smaller moments in the game that can be missed. Like, mm-hmm. we're going through the red light district area, and you can go into this building and overhear, like, two people having sex. And it's supposed to be, like, this comedy moment where, like, oh, you find out he's married, that's very funny. Um, I see what they were going for with it, but it ends up not being funny because it's so overly gratuitous. Like, that was bad writing, Mm -hmm. I think. But then, yeah, a lot of it is just, like, I'm lukewarm on it. Like, fine. There's there's a data pad that I found really early on where it was, like, an in-universe, like, Forbes listing of, like, the best companies. And it was so, like, it was so aggressively tongue-in-cheek that it was, like, is this supposed to be this, like, goofy-sounding? Or, like, like is that, the, the in-universe writer acknowledging this? Or, like... That might have been, like, the most... I, I know exactly the one you're talking about. That might have been the most egregious datapad I found. And the issue for me was that datapad was... I'm, I played Corpo, so for me, that was, like, five minutes into the game. And I thought, oh, no, is this game going to be doing self-parody the entire time? Thankfully... It, do- it doesn't. It's not at all the case. But I think it's interesting, Janelle, that you brought up that scene being overly gratuitous because I, I think that's really interesting. This ga- And I agree with you, by the way, on that scene. This game was marketed as such a sexed up thing that I think yeah. some people are finding it surprising that the actual game doesn't really reflect that. Granted, there are times when this game is kind of juvenile with sexuality. <laughs> that but, one quest, yeah. yeah like, listener, if you've played, I think the thing that comes to mind for me is Grand Theft Auto 4, where the very opening shots of GTA 4 is like a BDSM thing, and then you meet your cousin, and he's talking about big American titties and all of this stuff. And the game is just constantly uh, displaying its M rating to you by referencing those things. Cyberpunk 2077 is... It doesn't do that, which was surprising to me because they marketed it like it was going to. Yeah. Um, in, in reality, I feel like, though, the sex is relatively ever-present. The thematic, the thematic approach of sex as commodification of the body yeah. seems to be a stronger theme than sex as a funny thing um, or a gratuitous element. I, I that being said, they do have a nudity filter in the game, which Nolan and I... Are using because you can make these good points without it being like yes. all about titties or whatever mm-hmm. um so maybe that's like maybe it's a lot more gratuitous without well, that but from yeah. what i've heard from like what you've read nolan is that mm-hmm. isn't actually the case necessarily but what do i know we none of us have finished the game so as far as i know like <laughs> it could get really weird yeah and that 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 could be but that's why i use gta 4 as a counterpoint because yeah. gta 4 doesn't have nudity in it and yet GTA 4 leaves players, well, at least left me, with a, a more overall feeling of kind of, like, sleaziness. Um, whereas this game does not make me feel sleazy. When this game has, like, characters who are sex workers, 
you are learning about the rock in a hard place they're being put in economically. You're learning about their difficulty obtaining proper health care. You're learning about abuses they suffer in the brothels and the way that management doesn't properly compensate them for it. Like, they tend to use sex as a thematic touchstone rather than just yeah. a thing for the player to do. But again, that's so weird because to come back to the controversies, they marketed the game like sex was just something you could do for fun. So it's and very incongruous in that way. Listener, this isn't Nolan complaining that that's not no, part of this the is game, a good, this for is, the record. I'm glad the game is mature, because otherwise that would get in the way of cyberpunk. Yeah. Because you'd be paying for a product that commodifies people, which is like anti the message. Which, by the way, I want to shout out a tweet that I saw where someone said that we should call cyberpunk uh, aesthetic that doesn't engage with cyberpunk themes they called it neon liberal yeah i think that's fantastic i love that tweet so much (laughs) um but it's interesting that you mentioned not only gta but the sex thing right um william gibson the the famed uh writer of neuromancer and oh what's it called the trilogy the bridge trilogy it's got yes he has several trilogies but there's like idoru and virtual light idoru was one i was thinking of but yeah but he's he's a very famous cyberpunk author and he also was one of the key figures in establishing cyberpunk as a genre because it's not just the name of this game it's also like the name of a sort of subgenre of science fiction and you want to define it really quick the genre yeah sure um i believe i think that william gibson this might be a william gibson quote actually but cyberpunk in essence is uh high technology and low life right yeah. it is about like you know unfettered capitalism and how that can affect human beings in a lot of ways it's kind of like an analysis of the american dream but mm-hmm. and, and we see a lot of that in this game which is cool but a very early thing that he said when he saw the game because of course people were sending it to him like what do you think about this game like it's a big deal right you've worked with mike Pondsmith, the guy who wrote the original uh uh t- pen pen and paper like treatment and he said, like, it, it kind of just looks like GTA, but with, like, a retro-futuristic skin. I'm not getting any cyberpunk out of this. And yeah. I think for the most part, that's kind of how I feel. Like, a, a lot of the... Every once in a while, you get some really interesting stuff. But for the most part, it really does just feel like sort of, like, cool neon world. You know? Yeah, like, brain chips in poverty does not a cyberpunk make. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, I'm not the first person to say this, but, like, one of the the things that you can do in this game is, like, collect bounties of, like, gang members. And (laughs) you just, like, get... You get, like, street cred, which is, like, a quantifiable thing in this game for turning in, like, gang members to the cops, like, working with the police. I said that. You did? (laughs) That was was my tweet. I've definitely heard other people say that. That was your tweet because I said it to you the day the game came out. Yeah, that's true. It's all a game of telephone. Can I say, too, that the game made me want to die immediately because the only person in real life who I've ever met who says street cred unironically is my mom, and she's extremely lame. (laughs) (laughs) It's a stat in this game, by the way. It's not, like, a nebulous thing. So when I saw it in the game, I was like, wow, wild and crazy. They're so fucking cool like uh, god i i want because we're like the podcast isn't so long so i, I want to be able to yeah yeah talk about what you said i think that point is completely valid and i agree in a lot of circumstances and in an overall sense though i do think that this game does a pretty good job with the cyberpunk tropes that it uses i know that that is not necessarily a consistent thing throughout the game but i find that the world building and the way the story is delivered is is very consistent in 
its messaging, with the exception of the game having absolutely no idea what it thinks about law enforcement. I'm sorry, CD Projekt Red, you need to make a choice about that because this happened with with um, Spider Man also. Yeah, where like you don't you don't decide what you want to say about cops, but you make cops a relentlessly prolific presence in your game. In Spider Man, though, gonna it was really confuse people. Spider Man was almost worse though because you your ally in Spider Man is a cop who's secretly working with you because she keeps telling you, the cops yeah. all hate you, Spider-Man. They don't want a vigilante around. But every cop you see is just like, thanks for cleaning up the city, Spider-Man. Like, However, as- aside from that, though, overall, as someone who's a big fan of Cyberpunk, I've, I've found this game very fascinating. And I think that the part that works the best, by far, is the city itself. I think that the city itself, even if the writing falters sometimes is a masterpiece in terms of not just visual design but level design and the way it's laid out i think that if you are interested in even the most minor way in infrastructure and the way cities look and 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 work it's intricately put together and you can tell it was researched in a way that is just always interesting i would argue that that is true in the sense that you could look at a picture of good infrastructure sure. and get a lot out of it. This game, in many ways, is so behind other open-world games as far as interactivity with mm-hmm. the city goes that yeah. it's appalling. Yeah, and, and that's, that's, a good, that's a good caveat because I agree with you. I am not saying this is a masterpiece of open-world design. It's, it's several years behind, um, which, for the record, listener... The Witcher 3 was too. Even when it came out, The Witcher 3 lacked the grand majority of open world features. Nobody really cared because the writing was good and the quests were good. I'm not entirely sure why people expected this game to be an open world in the vein of GTA or a Bethesda game, except for because, again, the marketing was completely incongruous with the game, so bad on you, CD Projekt yeah. Red. It's funny, well, you, mentioned, you mentioned The Witcher, and before the game came out, I remember, Nolan, you were talking to me about, like, oh, what do you think the, the, the Gwent equivalent is going to be? What's going to be, like, the mini game that you can play throughout? And the answer is, there isn't None. one. None. No. All you do is fight in this, in this RPG video game. Well, I don't you agree fight with... and talk. Yeah, you fight and talk. Yeah. Yeah. You talk too, Alex. Okay. Which is, which, is, which, is ev- yeah. which is every RPG, for the record, I think, at least. Yeah. It's just... Like, you can make fun of the players or whatever as much as you want, but, like, this game can't run on mm-hmm. my PlayStation 4, but Red Dead lets you interact with whatever yeah. you want, essentially, yeah. and it's huge. So, CD Projekt Red, maybe don't talk about how massive your game is if it doesn't actually fucking matter. Yeah. yeah. Because so it doesn't matter. I got, I got to say, like, I absolutely agree that the open world design is several years behind, but if we're talking just about the physical construction of Night City, which I would actually argue to scale does matter. Maybe not to gameplay and mechanics, but in terms of sense of place and the establishment of this as like a way to deliver story content. I think the scale does have an effect on that. And the city is 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 wonderful. I, I've spent probably half my playtime just exploring and I have not gotten bored of doing that and taking photos and there's a lot of environmental storytelling hidden in the way that things are put together as well that you can suss out. It's a dang good time. Speaking of story content, if I'm allowed to pivot here, yeah. what do you guys think about some of the, the central characters in, in the game? Because, like, you know, it's an RPG that, like you said, if, you're only, if you, the only other thing you can do is fight, you better 
you better be good at talking, right? And you talk okay. with a lot of reoccurring characters. Two sentence take before you guys go. Oh, sure, sure. Jackie is amazing. And if you want to know about the central characters, the end of Act One, no spoilers. One of the best scenes in recent video game yes, memory. Absolutely. The last mission of Act One with Jackie is mm, mm, Chef's Kiss. Not just Jackie. Every other character in that mission, the construction, the direction, it's got an incredible sense of tension. It was like watching a heist movie. It's amazing. It's so good. It's so good. Um, let's address the elephant in the room, or rather the elephant in our brain. What do y'all think about Keanu Reeves? Yeah. I don't think he acts well in it, but I think that it's that he's so charming that like, whatever, like... I think he's doing the best that he can do. I, I, okay, so I thought for the first couple hours that Johnny Silverhand was in the game that Keanu Reeves was kind of phoning it in. But the further in I get, the more I feel like Johnny Silverhand. I, I don't know how to articulate this, man. Like, it starts to work. I feel yeah, like it, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it becomes so completely believable that Johnny Silverhand is speaking in deadpan to you about high concept. That's that exactly what even, I was going to say. Yeah. Like, I just, I started to absolutely love his performance. It, it's weird because, like, you know, I, I, I look back at things that, uh, that Keanu Reeves has done before, like uh, Bill and Ted or The Matrix or was it Bram Stoker's Dracula where he had the awful British accent? <laughs> no idea. But, uh, and he was, like, good in those, right? But, like, you know, John Wick, he plays, like, a pretty straight-faced deadpan, deadpan guy, and it works. And then, like, in the new Bill and Ted movie, he just doesn't give a shit, right? So, like, maybe there's well, external factors here, but, like... Well, it, it's, it's, like, really quick. It's like what we said with Death Stranding. Voice acting and, like, acting physically are different. Yeah. So, like, you can't... Video game companies can't just keep throwing famous actors into their games and then expecting that their performance as a voice actor will be the same. Yeah. Because it probably won't be. Yeah. We'll see John but Johnny Silverhand's physicality is great. Uh because yeah, it did have so him do mocap to my understanding. He nailed he yeah. nailed that part of it. There, there's a couple particular moments like one of the early ones you're going down to meet a character named Takimura in a diner and He's after you talk to him oh Takimura rules. <laughs> there's a scene where Johnny Silverhand pulls up a chair to talk to you and I guess this is more about the game designers than the mocap but the way that he grabs a chair and angrily slams it down and scrapes it across the concrete and just heaves himself into it to look at you was like so convincing for me that this person was about to just look me in the eyes and tell me he thought that I was scum. Yeah. And he didn't even have to say his line for me to be like, Johnny Silverhand is about to berate me. I love this. Yeah. Keanu Reeves plays a really interesting character who is this like prominent anti-establishment like punk musician. Um, also is responsible for an act of terror that the game does not shy away from comparing to 9-11 oh yeah at times yeah tell me that yeah yeah um but the the idea is oh they captured this they captured this like musician and he's been presumed dead for years but they put him in this like experimental like brain chip which puts his consciousness and interest and they keep saying the phrase soul like it puts his soul in the machine right yeah and so by by happenstance during the big heist, you have to put the brain chip in your brain, which means now you can see and talk with Johnny Silverhand. And he's just like the first encounter you have with him. He like asks you for a smoke. And then if you say no, he'll just like kick you in the ribs. Like he's just this entitled <laughs> you said like, no, yeah, I don't have a smoke. Why? 
I'm, I'm, I, I don't have a smoke. I don't know. Oh man, okay, fair enough. But he he I acts totally like such an in, he acts like such an entitled like rock star prick who doesn't give a shit. He is either angry or he doesn't care about whatever's going on around him. Which oh my god, there are parts later in the game where I want him and V to be friends so bad. There, there's a part uh, a little ways into the story that takes place out in the Badlands where he gives this monologue that you have the option to end the monologue at any time, but if you don't, it's so exciting. He goes off about how, in my time, corporations controlled your body and your time and your, and your mind, but now they want to control your soul. And I'm here thinking that 50 years ago, when I tried to change the world, people would have woken up and noticed, but I come back... And all of you are just sitting here like fucking losers, praising them for doing whatever the hell they want to you and acting like you asked for it in the first place. And I was just like, Keanu, yes, this is, I feel <laughs> Pull spoken someone to you right yes. now. <laughs> I, I think that the, this is going to sound like, a, like an aside, but it's not, I promise. What bugs me is that any of the paths that you take don't seem to really matter long term yeah. other than for speech checks. So with that being said, I think that the the standard way to play should always be corpo because <laughs> being an ex-corpo with this super anti-establishment guy in your head makes for really interesting storytelling. And there's like, like he gets mad at you for being like a corporate shill yeah. essentially and like for being a fucking loser. He says the same thing. And for not actually doing anything. He says the same thing for me as a street kid. And I was going to say that really? like, I think it works really well in my scenario because I was a street, my story is like i grew up on the street right it works really mm -hmm. well for me as a street kid because i am working for corporations right the mission before the heist mission is another sort of heist mission where you have to get special tech by negotiating with a corporation right yeah so like this this is I, you know i'm playing as a kid who's been like he grew up on the streets again no middle class this dude is just like scraping by trying to survive doing odd jobs and like being you know like a like a general like gun for hire, um, and I I, th I thought it worked really well. But in general, I feel like no matter what path you take, I also really like V's voice actor. I'm playing as male V, so like me too. I I really really like how he how his performance is in that game. But like I didn't expect to. I thought he was kind of lame at first. Yeah. Um, but he's really sold it for the me. The thing the thing with V was that in in the beginning, I thought this guy is trying way too hard to be edgy and tough. And I thought it was a fault of the voice acting, but the story pretty quickly heel turns into exposing V as a deeply vulnerable and scared person who is basically pretending to be tough in order to not be put six feet under. Yeah. And that makes the voice acting take a whole different dimension, actually, because when you get to see the actual acting chops of the character, it's like, damn, this guy can really act. Yeah, uh, there's a scene early on in particular, which I won't spoil, but takes place in a brothel that was like one of the best yeah. scenes in the game for me. It's it's weird because like they make a wonderful like buddy cop, like odd fellows duo, right? Or like odd couple mm -hmm. duo where like Johnny's whole thing is just like burn it all down. Like it's all it's all fucked up. Start it all over no matter who or what gets in the way. Whereas like yeah. V is kind of just trying to survive. He was born into this world. He's from a different era. And he's just, like, doing what he can to get by. But their goals at the end of the day and the goals of the game are not too dissimilar, but they're just mm -hmm. far enough apart to make for some really interesting dialogue. There's a mission you have to do also pretty early on, which I, I still really like, where uh, 
Johnny Silverhand, the like figment in your head is like, hey, I wonder if we'll be able to find some people at this old uh, this old club I used to oh, perform at. Oh, I love that yeah. one. That was really good. It's like, yeah, I used to know some great people there. A couple of them were mercs. Maybe they'll help you out if that place is still around. And you go there, and it's been turned into a noodle shop. And you ask the noodle people, and they're like, oh, my God, another Johnny Silverhand fan. Like, get over it, old man, even though you're, like, 20, maybe. Like, there's a guy out front, like, busking old shirts who, like, exclusively sells to you guys. Talk to him. And you have to, like, you know, talk to this dude who's trying to, like, sell you shirts. And he wants to prove that you're a real Johnny Silverhand fan. So you're telling Johnny in your head, Keanu Reeves, like, help me out, man. And he's like, mm, how about go fuck yourself? I'm not going to help you, like, with this, this dude who's, like, trying to profit off of me. That scene ruled, but at the same time, did anybody else feel like that scene was the game commenting on itself? Because this guy is basically standing outside selling, you know, several bucks a pop the experience of being an anti-establishment punk. And then he's just not doing anything. Yeah. He's just going home and listening to the music and going, yeah, this guy rules. And then coming back and making a buck and paying his rent and going about his day. And Johnny says something like, look what happens 50 years down the line. You see him, knows every single word I wrote, doesn't understand or give a shit about a single one of them. Yeah, that was brilliant. And yeah. that felt like what is happening with this game about corporate exploitation being made by an exploitative corporation and being sold at top dollar. Yeah. Yeah. By people who that were one... overworked incredibly and who were probably begging them to delay the game because they knew, the people on the front lines developing the game knew... This game was not feature complete, and it was, you know, in some places, in some ways, not even functional, right? Like, yeah, it's it's sad, but but um, I love that scene. It was such a tense little scene because you have to like, you know, prove that you're you have to you have to prove this dude you're a real Johnny Silverhand fan, and Johnny Silverhand won't play ball. It's, see, it's actually actually on our end, he would. Oh yeah, he did. He totally did, and we like convinced the guy that we were there at like johnny's last show or something oh really and that um like our cyber our cybernetics just make us look really young and like <laughs> he doesn't believe you at the end but he's like okay only a true fan would know all that yeah i don't know if you got because it sounds like johnny silverhand didn't get along he, with you at he the ended up capitulating but i got a similar oh, okay, scene okay where he's like well it seems how, like, like you know your stuff maybe your granddad or something listened to this right where the the guy was like, yeah, Johnny started a fire, and Johnny's like, Carrie started that fire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you tell him that, and he's like, uh, no one would have known that unless they were there behind the scenes. Like, uh, okay. I, there, there's also a part that is similar where Johnny Silverhand is basically saying, like, hey, I know, I know this woman rogue. She can help you out. And V is like, what am I supposed to do? Go up to her and say, hey, my old, your old friend is in my head. He can talk to me. He told me to come speak to you. And Johnny is like, I don't know, figure it the fuck out, V. You're a mark, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's I, great. I love that scene where she, she, and then when you meet her, she's like, oh, I'm interested. I'd be willing to help you out. And Johnny's like, I don't know. I don't know. This feels wrong. She's like, I'll help you out for a fee. And he's like, there we go. There's the, there's the, I don't remember her there's name. That old bitch. Yeah, there's so, the bitch I know, but he says her name. I don't remember what it is, but. Her, her, her name is, uh, it's like not rogue to him though, right? Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Listener, but you'll figure it out if you they, play this game. They have a lot of fun with this buddy cop stuff. And the buddy cop stuff happens even before you meet Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Um, it's kind of just like a recurring theme of the game is like this sort of culture shock almost. So does it sound like we kind of agree, just, just to be clear on this, like this game is broken in a lot of ways, 
but there is a core to Cyberpunk 2077 that, at least in my opinion, is is pretty strong. I think that, by and large, my feeling is that while I'm playing this game, I absolutely am having a blast. Um, however, most of the time when a new game comes out, I like when Death Stranding came out, I played Death Stranding every day for hours until I finished it. This is the first major release in a while that I can remember like putting in and binging for a couple days and then just like taking a break and not really necessarily missing it that much, you know? Here's like it's really it's it's really strong, but it doesn't have a magic spark necessarily. Here's my thing is I think this game is so fundamentally flawed and broken that bug fixes will not help it. It's a matter of like overextension and like, you know, unoptimization, not just like literal the game's not optimized for a machine but like in game you have like a billion options and none of them work or play nice together i have not played the witcher but one thing that i keep seeing and i don't know how much of this is rose tinted nostalgia nostalgia goggles is people saying how immaculate the world of the witcher 3 is and how everything is like interconnected and plays so well with each other so it's weird to see all of these disparate systems in this game that being yeah. said that being said, though, I think the world and the lore and the writing are amazing. It is yeah. such an interesting universe to get to explore, you know, and, and even in the data pads, you find very, very interesting stuff. It still falls victim to some of the, the more harmful tropes of cyberpunk and some just harmful tropes in general. Mm -hmm. But I think it is a, an incredibly impressive universe. I... But the thing is, one thing real quick is that this universe has been around for like 30 years because like we said in the beginning this is based off of in the same universe of a tabletop rpg that was written in the 80s right yeah i can't think of what this game does particularly special that hasn't already existed and been done just as well if not maybe even better i don't ever agree that any game is too fundally fundamentally broken to ever be fixed i mean take a look at no man's sky no Man's was, Sky was empty, though, right? Like, no this Man's game Sky is was full. a disaster. It was nothing that they said it was going to be. And then they did a lot of work to make it the game everybody wanted it to be. I don't think games can be fundamentally broken. I think that it depends on how much work people are willing to put in to fix it. And if that means that you're going to overextend your employees again, don't fucking do it. Um, with all that being said, though, whatever... So far, I I am liking a lot of aspects of the game, and I do agree that, like, the writing and the storytelling are really good. It does have a lot of really harmful tropes. I don't like some of the weird glitches. I don't like how we found this really cool shopping district, and we found a bar and a restaurant, but then they sold the same exact things. Mm -hmm. um, I do wish it were a lot more fleshed out, and maybe we can talk about it again when everybody's, like, finished it that'd be fun oh yeah because there's because there's a lot more to talk about like help like we we touched on it but jackie is an incredible character he's um, my favorite character in that the, game the yeah. brain dances that you do and the quests are really interesting there's a lot of good about it but there's also a lot of bad about it yeah it's almost like it's almost like when you're talking about the game itself it's really hard to get around the myriad of problems but talking about the characters and the scenes and the direction of those moments, it would be harder for me to list characters that I like than it'd be so much easier to just think of the few that I don't. Because yeah. for the most part, the cast is just remarkably strong. 
Also, one thing I really like as far as the cast goes yeah. is that a lot of the best actors are brand new at this. Like um, mm-hmm. Dexter Deshaun. I looked him up because I thought I knew his voice. He's only been in a handful of things, but he steals every scene he's in. Oh, he's so he's good. So, he's so good, yeah. Um, the, same with... There's what's... like only one character in the entire first act that I didn't care about. Everyone else, I, I just... Uh, T-Bug. T-Bug oh. is the only character in the game huh. so far that I thought was kind of boring. Yeah, because she's I just like, not I there. I liked T-Bug. I don't like Evelyn. Oh, Eve- Evelyn's great. I like I feel, Evelyn. No, Evelyn, how? We'll talk Evelyn, about this Evelyn's, after. I think Evelyn's fascinating. Yeah. That's yeah, I feel bad for me. Evelyn, and that storyline is interesting, but I think as a character, she is very bog-standard and not interesting. She okay, definitely fits the femme fatale trope and then doesn't yeah. do a whole lot else, and, but I think she does hey, that, that so well. That tends to be a trope that offends me, so that's fair. I don't give a shit about Evelyn so far. Quick, so far, I want to throw a quick poll on you guys, just for people who have played the game and listeners are there without without giving too much details. Okay, so you're no on Evelyn. Alex is yes. How do you guys feel about Judy? I like Judy. I like Judy quite a lot. Yeah, I, I like Judy. I like Judy too. Okay, Takamura, um, we know you love. I'm liking Judy more because Judy's becoming more of a character. Yeah, yeah, Takamura, I love. Yeah. I haven't spent a lot of time with Takamura. I've been doing other stuff around the city. I keep putting his his quests off, but I do like what okay. I've seen of Takamura. He's he's a lot of fun. Everyone likes Jackie, right? Everyone everyone likes Jackie. likes Jackie. Everyone likes Pan Am, right? I haven't met yeah. Pan, Am. Pan Am yet. Okay, Pan Am's cool. I like that her name is right. Pan Am though. Those are the main ones I can think of. I just I just wanted to take a quick temperature check because before the game came out, everyone was talking about Judy and Evelyn, and then it turned out that that's just tip the iceberg on that one. Yeah. But yeah. Regardless, okay, so all I want to say before we round this out is that uh, I, I think that you're right that in many ways the game has flaws that are not going to be something that uh, update can patch out. Um, however, the, the thing is for me that a lot of those flaws don't, don't uh, I didn't expect them not to be there, and I, I don't even really know if some of them I consider to be major flaws, like... Uh, People say that the city is dead and lifeless, and I disagree with that very strongly, but I can't argue that the AI is lacking and that the interactivity is lacking. That's absolutely 100% true. It's just that people look back at The Witcher 3 with, like you said, Alex, rose-tinted goggles. The Witcher 3 was a series of scripted quests in a really, really lavishly interesting backdrop. There was not Bethesda-tier interaction. You couldn't spend all your time in the game in Novigrad going around making these emergent stories happen with the NPCs. You could do all of their quests, and the quests were fantastic, but that was the extent of it. By and large, Cyberpunk 2077 is essentially a first-person shooter with driving that is in almost every way following the blueprint of The Witcher 3, which is to say that the game lives and dies on scripted quest content, and you can't treat it like an open-world game, which does suck, and that's disappointing. I guess it's just once I got past that disappointment, I've loved the quest so much that I've still been wanting to go back to the game is where I'm at. I think that the game is not originally... Like, at the beginning, it's not dead, but the more you see it, the more you see that That's exactly it. It's like more repetitive, you think? Yes. Yeah. Um, and I'll say this to listeners. Whether or not you should expect one thing or another is whatever. If 
the company tells you that this is going to yes. be a big, exciting open world game, and it's not. I think that's kind of scummy. Um, if you haven't played it and you've listened to this whole episode for some reason, um, don't make your decision based on trailers or based on anything that CD Projekt Red has said, because it's just not going to be accurate to what the game is actually like in any capacity. I'm going to go a step um, further that- and say that you should not do that with most games in general. Well, sure, but like, you know, you can watch trailers for games and usually get a good understanding of if you're going to like it. I don't think the trailers reflected anything that the game is actually like at all. I think the trailers reflect the writing, but that's about it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's a good game. It has a lot of problems. I really do hope we can do a spoiler cast when we've all beaten it or it's had like a lot of fixes. But um, don't expect it to be the greatest game you've ever played or else you're just going to be disappointed. Either have realistic expectations like nolan or hate it like i did and then be surprised (laughs) the part the marketing was truly we we didn't even get to address it very much but it was truly disastrous and and not just because they made the game look like something it wasn't but because at several points the marketing team leaned on problematic humor and use shock value to Mm -hmm. to prop up the game and all kinds of things that have devalued this game's reputation in a way that they never should have needed to rely on and they never had before and that was very disappointing it's unbelievable how many problems surrounding this game are the fault of cd project red and cd project red alone like their negligence their ignorance they made their cyber bed and now they get to lie sideways in it, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, without using their pillows. Yeah, yeah. But all that being said, uh, I guess my verdict, at least for me personally, is that I quite like this game. I think it's pretty good. I think that it is not going to be the premier example of cyberpunk, particularly because it fails to... Okay, it it does a good job of addressing economic inequality. It does a good job of addressing unnecessary use of force. Kind of big asterisk on that. What it completely, in my opinion, fails to do is in an interesting way address the transhumanism that it used as its main theme when they were marketing the game. It's not, it doesn't actually end up being a big factor in the story, which kind of might not be a fault of the game. Because if you go back and look at the cyberpunk rule book, that Mike Pondsmith wrote. One of the early things in the rule book is it says, you are a cyberpunk. You have completely embraced these, these implants. You know, it, it basically out of the gate says, please don't think too much about them. Just enjoy the cool buffs they give you. But there's sure. also a mechanic Unfortunately, in that the game. game does that too. And like th- they could have done so much more. Deus Ex Human Revolution is amazing in the way it, 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 it tackles implants, not just as a feature of transhumanism, but as an arm of economic impression uh, yeah oh oppression one of this game doesn't really use them in that way one of the big problems with even the mike pondsmith book is that the idea is that the more you know mechanical shit you put in your body the less human you become and then you just like lose your humanity and that's something that i know that people have talked about because like prosthetics do not make you like less of a human being I understand why that's a system in the game to make it so you don't just get powerful cybernetics all the time. And it's also grappling with the idea of like, you know, there is a separation of there's a there's a there's a degree of separation with like, you know, regular prosthetics and these like wacky cyber But like, you know, that is something I've seen people talk about. 
you know, my my ultimate review is in keeping with like a a girlfriend reviews. Yeah. <laughs> Should your boyfriend play cyberpunk? Yeah. Watch it when it's interesting, and then go take a nap when it's not. Yeah. I I, I guess I got distracted, and I didn't like come home on what i was trying to say so i'm gonna try and distill it into a way shorter it's a good game in a lot of ways but it should not be your be all end all of what the genre can offer you you should use this as a really interesting jumping off point look into stuff like william gibson look into i i i i will forever champion the cause of um the game valhalla <laughs> which is one of the best cyberpunk things you can get Hell on yeah. steam Look into uh, things or like uh, Xbox Game Pass. Yeah, look into Akira. <laughs> look into Ghost in the Shell. There, there's so much more out there. Blade, go watch and Blade Runner. This this game continuously comes up to the brink of being brilliant and manages instead to just be pretty good most of the time, which is simultaneously good enough to have me put 50 hours into it in less than a week, but not good enough to make me come out of it feeling really, really excited about it. Yeah. So yeah. my you know. my final verdict is wait minimum six months and then do your research because it's literally such a right we don't even know what this game will look like or if it can be fixed in the future i know janelle you said that but i i wonder if the problems with this game because it is a fairly dense game there's a lot of stuff going on in this game if it really can be fixed without just making a different video game you know yeah yeah and then before we sign off, nobody said anything about the driving, but the driving rules. No, it doesn't. No Fuck you. The driving is amazing. Driving feels I, like dog shit in that video I want to get in that game and drive right now. Alex, it's like driving a real car. It just feels, it's like you can't, you can't slam. If you're slamming into stuff all the time, you got to drive more careful. But it also <laughs> just on. feels <laughs> awful, right? And I'm playing okay. on, a, I'm, pl I'm driving with a controller. I switch back and forth to drive. It feels so clunky and awful also every also, every single thing like, everything I'm has just... front wheel drive so when you summon your elon musk fucking car sometimes it'll just flip over because it stops in the middle of the road i'm for just you. saying i'm just saying that the guy who drives for fun <laughs> likes how the driving feels in this video game the guy who doesn't drive a car doesn't like how the driving feels in this video game oh actually you know who else doesn't like how the driving feels in the video game who? everyone else i've ever talked to about the driving no one's insane that 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 is true i i will give you that i feel like i'm in a minority on liking the driving don't know why but listener i like the cars i like the cars the I cars like are the cars are pretty cool the cars are so cool and the license plates are mounted on top of the car because the police have flying cameras how cool is that yeah there's a lot of That's clever rad. world building that I, okay. I really like but we are way over time yep so that was the Cyberpunk 2077 special, I guess it's episode 49, kind of like Blade Runner 2049, another great cyberpunk movie. And Better than the first Blade Runner, don't at me. Uh, oh, I'm going to at okay. you. That's a... Don't. I yeah, haven't you seen the second one, you know but listener, I just got offended. You know, listener, don't at him, because that's just a bad take, and no, I don't want not. you to no, have to not. engage with it. It's the best take. It. It's the best take. Okay. In any case, you can email us uh, your opinion on the best Blade Runner film <laughs> at emeraldgamescast at gmail.com however please refrain from sending that email unless you're going to say it's either the final or the director's cut also email us if you have a better letter for the protagonist's name than v f f call him f pay respects I'm he's flatlined D. you have to pay respects uh, maybe you can even tweet us what letter you want us to use uh for the main character at ode gamescast on twitter and otherwise uh just Stay tuned and hang in there for next week. We're going to do our personal 2020 Game of the Year awards. But in the meantime, 
That was episode 49. I'm Nolan. With me has been... I'm Janelle. And also... I'm Alex. And, uh... Go... I don't know. Jack into the mainframe, chooms. Go play Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah! See you next week.